Hello and welcome to PFF Fantasy Football Podcast, adjusting the ranks edition. I'm Ian Harditz. Joining me, as always, the one, the only, Dwayne, The Rock McFarlane. How are you, Dwayne? I'm doing good. Uh, you know, it's it's my favorite time of the year, utilization time, Ian. Ooh, baby. Know, try, trying to pick up tidbits and what we can. You know, some of it's hard. Like some of you get in there, you start studying it, and you, you figure you're like, oh, I've been looking at this team for 30 minutes. I really don't think there's anything here. So <laughs> that actually does happen sometimes. And I look up, I'm like, oh, my God, I just spent 25 or 30 minutes on this one team. Uh, it, I'm not going to lie. It happened like twice this morning. So <laughs> <laughs> two weeks of preseason action down as always less concerned with the actual performance. Although we do pay attention to the big time performers as well, but you know, Dwayne for every, for every Isaiah likely that actually turns out to be something we do have about 10 Jesper Horstead scoring three <laughs> touchdowns in a preseason game that, you know, we really never talk about again. So would just keep that in Jesper mind. Throughout here. Hey, I man. love it. I Dude. love it. <laughs> Dude had himself a hell of a uh, preseason week three game last year. You know, people people don't forget, Dwayne. But, yeah, so, again, want to go through these. You guys can catch all of our updated rankings with our new PFF Plus service. We are trying to help you draft. And, you know, Dwayne, we, we were talking about at the end of last episode, like truly to have some of you guys send in the drafts you've done using our draft strategy assist guide and legit like them – the drafts look like exactly what Dwayne and I have kind of yeah, put together awesome. ourselves. Uh, just awesome to see. So again, check that out. New PFF app is available out there. You can get all that information at your fingertips. If you are looking for myself, Dwayne, Nathan Yonke, Kevin Cole, our updated ranks, our analysis behind every pick, and you just want the PFF help for your drafts, that is where to go. Again, PFF Plus, check out the new PFF app wherever you download apps. You know, I guess your phone usually. So good times there. Dwayne, let's get into it. These are basically the 14 big ranking adjustments from the preseason. Uh, just real quick, shout out Nathan Yonke. As always, absolutely crushing the preseason takeaway game, uh, game. If you're looking for immediate snap rates, fantasy football takeaways, anything like that, make sure you follow Nathan at PFF underscore uh, Nathan Yonke on Twitter. He gets you going in a hurry. So, Dwayne, big news, Washington backfield, even more of a mess. Like the, the Antonio Gibson stock watch is just – cratering recently it's like it can't get even worse but oh now he's a kick returner now brian robinson is actually starting ahead of him in a football game yeah he had the pass down work but that was also with jd mckissick out of the lineup this really does look like not just a full-blown committee but looks like it has a potential like for me Dwayne, i've been doing this quite as long as you but like the most disgusting backfield i can remember was like 2019 buccaneers when we had rojo Peyton Barber and Dario Gumbawale. Like no one could even hit 40 snaps, 40% snaps during a week. This wasn't even like a 50%, 30-20. They were legit almost 33-33-33 every single week. That seems to be where we're getting here. Do we straight up take Brian Robinson over Antonio Gibson at this point, Dwayne? Or is the answer like just no? My goodness, what are we doing here? Yeah, I I think we do have to start taking Robinson over Gibson. I've still got to adjust my ranks. Like I just got through this morning going through all the utilization stuff. But like, you know, obviously getting another data point, we don't want to overreact any, you know, too much in any one week. Um, but at the same time, like at a minimum, they should be going like right next to each other. We're going to have to see next week, like what happens when J.D. McKissick and Brian Robinson play? Hopefully they both play because then like we might see like, who knows when Antonio Gibson might have gotten into this game, right? If it hadn't been for taking on the passing down work with McKissick out, like really it might've been like the fifth or sixth drive. We don't really know. And if that's the case, that really means it's just Brian Robinson playing the Antonio Gibson role last year. And JD McKissick keeps on playing the JD McKissick role. And then, you know, really you need an injury for Antonio Gibson. to be worth anything. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think the best news for Gibson would be an injury to McKissick, right? In PPR formats, right? Then you immediately pick up that value. You probably pick up a few of the carries as well. That's probably the easiest path for Antonio Gibson to return any sort of value. Um, but man, I was just looking at the ADP over on FFPC. Like, dude, Brian Robinson was going as high as round seven um, after this news. And so like he's typically settling in between round eight and 10. And I think that's fair when you look at all the other Running backs going into that range, I think I'd be fine with them in round nine or 10. But to your point, you just have to realize like it could be really nasty. Like this could still be a true three way committee. I think the way ADP is reacting is kind of the way we started off, which is, yeah, I think you kind of got to consider Robinson to be the starter. But at the end of the day, we could still have um, three players involved. I think that's the major takeaway here. Like, obviously it's terrible for Gibson, but it's not a screaming. It's obviously better for Robinson than what we thought, but he's not all of a sudden like who we wanted Antonio Gibson to be. This is still a full fledged three back committee. And I do think it's arguably, okay. If we take away McKissick Gibson, now 
he could flirt with like RB2 value, but I think the upside RB1 days like are completely over. Like what we saw over the last five weeks of last season, we're not getting that. Brian Robinson is legitimately going to lead the way on early downs, Dwayne. And I did do my rankings adjustments yesterday. I do have Robinson one spot ahead of Antonio Gibson. My RB40, RB40, RB41 overall, I have them see had them 115th and 116th overall so about round nine round 10 that would be where i'm taking them but round seven for robinson man that's a little steep for me and honestly when i look at robinson and gibson now i'm having like the same conversation as you know when these guys were or at least when gibson and jacobs and kind of mitchell were like in the mid-20s like are we sure we want robinson and gibson when I do think they're two injuries away from being someone we're just thrilled about having. Do we really want to take them, Dwayne, over guys like Michael Carter, Daryl Henderson, Alexander Madison, Jamal Williams, Khalil Herbert, where, okay, who are we going to take on a week-by-week basis? Probably the Washington guys, but, man, I think all those dudes are only one injury away from having a much higher ceiling than either Robinson or Gibson. Yeah, and they're going to go after Robinson now, right? That's why I'm not too worried about it, but... But at the same time, I mean, it's a good point because that means that the pick that, you know, other folks are going to now be spinning on Robinson, you know, to get him in round eight or nine, you could still be take, you could still be taking a receiver. You know, I mean, if he's going in round seven, there's no way I'm taking Brian Robinson over uh, Chase Edmonds, like no way ever, 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 ever. Like I will never do that. So yeah, I, I'm with you. I think honestly, the ADP is probably, you know, I think it's going to end up being fine on Robinson. Like I said, it'll probably settle in like round eight, nine, and 10, which I, I get it why people want to do it, but I'm with you. It's not like all of a sudden he's going to be my primary target. Um, I still think he needs to your point, even though he could now be the starter, he still needs to um, injuries to really, you know, unlock any sort of huge potential because JD McKissick has the passing down work. And if JD McKissick gets hurt, then Antonio Gibson's going to take over that work. And plus like, what if Brian Robinson fumbles in week one? Like this, this coaching staff have shown us like they're willing just to put somebody right into the doghouse by week five, we could be going, woo. Okay, great. Antonio Gibson's now the lead back again. I think it's, it's quite a mess. Let the record show that I had Antonio Gibson on my phase list, August 19th, before we saw Brian Robinson get the start, you know, Dwayne, I'm not going <laughs> to go on a massive victory lap tour here. I know a lot of people weren't exactly high in him, but just, well, to be uh, fair, I think we probably had him on the fades list since like Brian Robinson was drafted. Exactly, man. So, <laughs> so Yeah. Don't hate the player, hate the ADP. First of, you know, a million times we said that on this podcast, but it still holds true. A quality handcuff is residing in Chicago, though, Dwayne. I mentioned it before, but Khalil Herbert, back-to-back weeks playing every single snap alongside Justin Fields. And The Athletic had an article uh, come out real helpful. I love when they go through just every team, basically, and get Mm -hmm. one kind of fantasy football-minded takeaway from all their awesome beat reporters. And once again, man, more chatter that just based on what they're seeing in practice, it does look like that Herbert is also going to have a role in this offense. I could see it being similar to Jamal Williams, where we're not you know, necessarily getting the sort of massive touch workload that we've ever feel that good about putting the guy in the flex other than AJ Dillon and Kareem Hunt you know the idea of a number two running back having standalone value uh I I think there's certainly at least layers uh, to that idea or levels I should say but at a minimum Dwayne Khalil Herbert someone that again you just look at where he's going relative to the guys like Alexander Madison and we're seeing a running back with three down handcuff upside just continuing to go outside the top 50 or so so are you ready to kind of put Herbert ahead of some of these rookies the Rashad Whites Isaiah Spillers Tyron Davis prices of the world have you already gone that, gotten to that point yeah, I already moved him ahead of several of those last week, um, actually, um, based off of the first wave of preseason games. And so now, you know, I'm just, I was just looking at it, you know, before the show, like how much further would I move him up? Like I've got him ahead of Rashad White. I've got him ahead of Isaiah Spiller. I've got him dead even with Jamal Williams, honestly. Um, but uh, yeah, the main thing is like he's playing an every down role right now with David Montgomery out. Like they're not taking him off the field at all. If you look at him and it is the same for both games. Um, I believe week one, it might've been three um, drives, but this last week it was two drives with the starters. He handled all of it, all the passing down, all the short down and distance, everything. Now, two weeks in a row, he's been terrible uh, in pass pro. So this week he had a 16.9 PFF pass blocking grade. Uh, last week, it was a little bit better than that, but it was also terrible. So that's you know, something he's going to have to work on. Like he's definitely going to have to improve his pass blocking skills to to hang on to that role, which may be a good thing for Montgomery, right? That may mean that Montgomery, no matter what, is just going to be the passing down back as long as he's healthy. And then maybe Khalil Herbert just carves away at some of the early down work, even though we've talked about how replaceable Montgomery you know, is. 
he's a lot better uh, whenever you think about you know him as far as a pass blocker than what we get with Herbert. But it'll be interesting to see does her how much can Herbert carve out? I think you know maybe 30 40 percent is definitely in play, but the contingency upside is huge because they've just really just all they've shown us so far is that if Montgomery goes down, it is all Khalil Herbert. Again, still trying to compare the underdog ADPs, which are being updated far faster, I just think more sharply than a lot of the other resources. But August 23rd, guys, like we can't wait much longer to go exactly to the home league ADPs and expect them to catch up. So using the Fantasy Pros ADP, just consensus tool, David Montgomery, RB17, which, yeah, that's high for me, but the number 34 player overall thing is what I truly believe to be asinine. I have not been in a draft where he's really going before round four, round five in recent memory. But even with that said, Dwayne, I don't want him – And round five, like, again, this comes back to why we love taking the quarterbacks in rounds five and six so much is because, yeah, we got some studs there that we want from the skill position rooms. When Kittle and Waller fall to that point, when Amon Ross St. Brown is there, you know, that's obviously an auto pick. But more than anything, man, I just think that rounds five through, like, rounds five through seven, that's our RB dead zone this year, yeah? Yeah, I I totally agree. And as far as Herbert goes, like, he is slightly on the rise in ADP, but you can still get him in round um, 11, and 12 pretty much over the like the last three days over on the ffpc that's about where he's at and and so again that's in a sharp league you're going to get him later than that in your home league as far as herbert goes yeah man you get i know you've been some of these uh more home league type drafts Dwayne. you just you you look at your roster at the end you get like all all six of your like you know late round rb targets on the same squad always a great day to be great when that happens seattle tight ends this is another adp thing that like i feel obligated to bring up but i feel silly for saying it and maybe you guys think i am too but don't shoot the messenger here noah fant the tight end 15 somehow man are people just blind that, that just not I'm no offense to blind people, but man, I don't know what we're doing here with Noah Fant at this point. It never was a good situation for him in Seattle, and we're just getting more and more reinforcement that he's going to be in a committee. Noah Fant, Colby Parkinson, and Will Disley all maintained heavy involvement with the Seahawks starters in week two. That's right. Not just Fant and Disley, Dwayne. We got to get Colby Parkinson plenty involved in this offense as well. David Njoku, Irv Smith, Gerald Everett, all these guys have lower ADP. I mean, hell, Dwayne, this morning I put freaking Isaiah Likely one spot behind Noah Fan. I really had to think about it. Like, that's where we are with Noah Fan at this point. Like, I, again, I think the answer is just no. Don't, don't draft any of these Seattle tight ends. And if you agree, we can just move on. Yeah, I 100% agree. Only 50% route participation this week. We already discussed where he was last week. You cannot draft. You can't. There's no way you're going to be able to start Noah Fan. Just not going to happen. Here's another somewhat questionable tight end situation. So on the one hand, Cole Komet, he got three targets and just seven snaps during the Bears week two matchup against the Seahawks. On the other hand, here's what we had out of the tight ends with the first team offense. Again, shout out Nathan Yonke for providing these numbers ASAP Rocky all the time. Komet had seven snaps and five routes. James O'Shaughnessy had five snaps, four routes. Chase Allen two snaps, two routes. Ryan Griffin, their veteran backup tight end, hasn't played yet this preseason, so I don't think Chase Allen is going to make this you know, a four-tight end committee, but we could see Griffin actually coming in and playing just like a James O'Shaughnessy-esque role, man. Just like Dave Montgomery, we're looking at an offense with new offensive coordinator Luke Getze coming from Green Bay, and just like we're seeing with Albert O, man, coming from the LaFleur pipeline, these guys are comfortable using multiple tight ends. So for me, Cole Komet, and Alberto, I'm not out on any player at any price. I don't believe in a do not draft list. I just, you can always have a draft long enough with wonky enough scoring settings where every single player uh, becomes relevant at some point. But man, to still see Komet getting the benefit of doubt, ADP tight end 13, it's, it's almost like Dalton Schultz for me. Dwayne, I don't ag- disagree with him necessarily being a tight end 13, but it's the fact that he's going 30 to 50 picks ahead of David Njoku, Gerald Everett, Tyler Higby. I think it's a big tier, and I'm not going to go out of my way to take Komet at the top of it. Yeah, I mean, it's sorry. I was making sure my dogs were done barking. <laughs> they were going freaking bananas. Somebody yeah, they, the they don't like. They don't, they don't, they don't like Komet like either. <laughs> they don't like him. Um, but no, and this is something that you talked about way earlier in the offseason. Like, hey, is this coaching staff going to bring over this rotation with them that we saw in Green Bay? Um, as far as uh, you know, the offensive coordinator with Luke Getzey, I think that's just what we're seeing, right? You know, we were, we're seeing it in Denver. Um, the same thing with Albert O. And it seems they're very intent on just having multiple guys involved. And so, look, Komet, to your point, he's fine the tight end he's going at. 
Um, but he's definitely not somebody that like I'm going to be reaching for. I don't think we're going to have any shot for him to be where we were last year. I, I don't want to say any shot, but at least to begin the year. Like he's a guy that maybe if things warm up, you can pick him up later in the year. Um, but right now, no, it doesn't look like he's going to have a shot at that 70 to 80 percent route participation like what we saw um, down the stretch last season, um, which just made him a guy, you know, that we were often talking about, you know, on the pod. Yeah, he's actually going tight in 11 over underdog now. I mean, running backs going around him like Melvin Gordon, Daryl Henderson, Naeem Hines. I, I just I, I'm looking elsewhere at that point in the draft. Big injury here. Second round Patriots wide receiver Tyquan Thornton suffered a broken collarbone. He'll be side might not have been broken. I know it's a collarbone injury. He'll be sideline sideline until at least October. Was pushing for a potential spot in three wide receiver sets. Presumably, Dwayne, we got Jacoby Myers in there. I think Devontae Parker is, is there. Now it seems like it's more of a toss-up than ever between Nelson Aguilar and Kendrick Bourne, which I know is surprising people. But Kendrick Bourne didn't play last week because he got an in-house suspension after getting in a fight with practice. You read some of the stuff that Patriots beat reporters have just said about Bourne, like him just kind of falling out of favor and Mac Jones's pecking order. And it's been a surprise because, my goodness, like, you look at what Bourne did on his touches last year. Like, when I look at – I think he was, like, third and expected – Fancy points like uh, fancy points above expectation. I should say last year, it's like Cooper Cup, Debo Samuel, and Kendrick Bourne. Like he really made the most out of his opportunities, and at least for a portion of this offseason, he was a trendy last round pick. Accordingly, now though, not even sure if he's going to be in three wide receiver sets. Does losing Thornton here, just having Bourne kind of falling out of favor, perhaps? Are you even stronger on Myers or Parker? Do you even have a read on this New England passing game in general at this point, Dwayne? Yeah, it's all Jacoby Myers for me. Um, I, I'm fine if you want to take Parker, but like he kind of rotated in and out this last week um, with the starters. Like he wasn't out there. He wasn't out there for even 90% of the routes. Um, you know, it was 90% uh, of the routes went to Aguilar, 80% of the routes went to Jacoby Myers. And then you had Parker rotating in and out with Thornton. And we don't know for sure. Like, you know, I mean, if Thornton had kept playing, like, might he have had even less routes so yeah it's a situation where those are the main two that i'm really you know after is you know jacoby well the main one i'm after is jacoby myers um hunter henry i'm still fine drafting he didn't play this last weekend um johnny smith was out there for 90 percent of the routes with hunter henry out so but still that kind of worries me even at the tight end spot like are they going to start rotating johnny smith in more this year you know last year hunter henry got pretty lucky right johnny hardly played at all so the main passing weapon that I'm really interested in is really just is just Jacoby Myers. If I were to pick a second one, it would still be Devonte Parker, um, even though he rotated in and out a little bit more than what we would hope for this past weekend. Again, we don't always know the reasoning behind these things in preseason. Um, coaches could just want to make sure they get certain looks right with the receiver, with the starting quarterback, and so that can take away snaps from one player or the other. Doesn't mean Devonte Parker is not a starter though. All right, Dwayne, we have a veteran, former first-round pick, a guy that's had a couple really good seasons under his belt before having to change offenses, though. You know, maybe maybe didn't get the best out of him last year, a little bit of an uncertain situation, but could have a full-time role. I'm not talking about Juju, man. I'm talking about Nelson Aguilar. You said it, 90% snap rate, route, weight, route rate. Yeah, yeah the route light. rate. <laughs> yeah, they're, yeah. They're, Good job, Ian. Uh, Patriots beat reporters saying that he's emerged as the favorite target. I'm not putting a ton of stock into what's been happening in practice necessarily, but it is one of these things, Dwayne, where, again, I think if we took these New England receivers, we stripped their names away, and we just kind of looked at their past production, what their salary is, and kind of what like their preseason usage has been, I think some people would accidentally rank Aguilar number one if we didn't know it was him. Let's remind people, yeah. Guys had some horrific drops over the years. We've all seen the dropping babies meme. It's funny. It's a good time to laugh at that. In 2017 with the Eagles, he was a legit yards after the catch, you know, a really good uh, weapon on that offense. And then 2020 with the Raiders, I mean, he emerged as Derek Carr's number one pass game option. He had almost 900 yards, eight touchdowns on the year, made some legitimately really good plays. I'm not, I don't even want to use a last round pick on Aguilar, Dwayne, but if we come out here, if we're talking, you know, on Sunday, Sunday night after week one, and we're still seeing Aguilar, you know, out there getting 90% of the routes, he's someone that I think we could actually see on those, you know, week two waiver wire reports in a hurry. Yeah. Um, the, the main thing for Aguilar is we just need him to not be like running gassers all day. Like right. that was the problem last year. He was out there. He was on the field all the time with Mac Jones. But all he did was run go routes, right? And then you had Kendrick Bourne working the underneath kind of schemey stuff. Then you had Jacoby Myers really working the slot. You know, he was the guy, you know, that's going to beat man coverage, can settle down inside the zone, you know, coverages and get you the first down. So I still feel like Aguilar is going to be on the outside looking in. But to your point, if you just took 
the, you know, you took the nameplates away, right? And all you were looking at, you know, are, are the data points you mentioned. I think it could be easy to confuse Aguilar with Devontae Parker. And, you know, we could decide like after week two that, oh, it was really Aguilar all alone, all along, not Devontae Parker. It is New England. They're historically known for throwing us curveballs. They're also historically known for not really being able to evaluate wide receivers. So maybe <laughs> we just shouldn't care. And we should just, the only answer is Jacoby Myers, really, for me in drafts. I, I do agree that all this does keep pointing the arrow right back to Jacoby Myers. All right. I went out with a uh, lovely Mrs. Future tits on Friday night. I, I didn't get a chance to watch many of the, you know, games and live action. And I wake up Saturday morning and man, I have never seen the Damian Pierce hype explode like it did for a player that just didn't even play. And I, I get it. It's a, it's better to not play because you're a resting starter seemingly like Damian Pierce was for him to go out. But my goodness, Dwayne, this is like Isaiah Pacheco on steroids like here with the amount of love that Damian Pierce is getting. I am terrified that because Pierce and Pacheco could have like these potentially really good rookie years, like everything's been going their way, that it's just going to cause us to fall in love with every single day three size speed running back here for the next like decade. Because I brought this up before, man, but only five running backs not drafted in the top three rounds have finished as a top 24 fantasy football scorer as a rookie over the past decade, 2012, Alfred Morris, 2013, Zach Stacy, 2016, Jordan Howard, 2018, Philip Lindsay, most recently 2020, James Robinson, Dwayne, I moved Pierce up to my RB 34. You were on this before I was fair play to you. Good job, buddy. Now the question is how much are we really getting behind them? Cause yes, it does seem like at this point, if we had to guess, Pierce will probably be in that backfield to start week one. With that said, I could still certainly see Dario Gubawale annoyingly stealing the pass down work. I don't think Rex Burkhead is going anywhere. I'm praying that Marlon Mack isn't going to make us a four back committee, but I still do think there's going to be three running backs somewhat involved at least early on in the season. So what have you made of the Damian Pierce rocket ship? And I guess, are you willing to kind of chase this rising ADP? Yeah, I am. And the reason why is because that backfield behind him really isn't that good. Right. So like, I, I get I, it. I, I heard the names I just mentioned. It's, it's, I, I know. And so that and, and so it comes down to you're getting a young talent with a very weak backfield. And now the coach, you know, decides that they're not going to play Damian Pierce because they like what he did, you know, in practice and in, in, in week one of the preseason, even though against the backups, like he looked really good. You know, he did good in pass pro. Um, he obviously looked good on the ground. This is a guy that really played, you know, was good in the receiving game in college as well. So, you know, he also has that all-round profile we like. Now, he was never able to truly take over any sort of major workload, you know, for the Florida Gators when he was in college. It was much more of a limited, you know, uh, you know, sample size that we were dealing with. And, and you know, he never became like a full-time starter. But at the end of the day, like the, the depth chart is just so weak. And Burkett's old, man. He's not just, you know, a guy that we don't think is that great. Like, I mean, he's look, he's been a pro. He's like way better than me. But at the end of the day, I mean, when we look at Rex Burkhead, he was 32 years old going into this season. Look at um, him. So. He's old. Look <laughs> yeah. Now, Burkhead, you know, last night or not last night, the night before in that game, or was it Friday? Sorry, Friday night, whatever, whatever night it was, uh, you know, he handled all the passing down duties. Marlon Mack was really just the early down back. Like, so here's my thought, like, just forget Marlon Mack. Just don't even draft him anymore. There's no point. Um, you know, you don't want the early down grinder on a on a team that's going to trail all the time anyway. And now he's probably behind Pierce. So Marlon Mack is out of the plans. Um, Burkhead, you could at least make an argument that like they're going to trail all the time and he could still be the passing down back. And if that's the case, that will mean even though Pierce is probably past Marlon Mack on the depth chart, like he's probably not going to be able to pay off his ADP because again, we don't really want the early down back, you know, on an offense that's going to be trailing all the time. And so I would love to see both of them play next week. You know, who knows what they'll do. They may rest. If they rest Pierce again and they play the other two again, it's like, that's still a positive for Pierce, but I would like to see Pierce and Burkhead together for like three drives. So we can see, does Pierce get any of the passing network? And if we saw that plus the other data points we have, like I would be all in, I'm kind of with you right now. Like I've been a little bit more reserved. Like I, I have him at, um, I moved him up last week to RB 32, um, I think I had him at like 36 before that. So I moved him up four spots. But if you look at him over on the FFPC, thanks Fantasy Mojo, dude, it's like a freaking hockey stick. Like it's, it's you know, up and to the right. Like the guy has shot up all the way. Like he's been getting taken in round six, oh one, two, God. three, three times in the last three days. But he's mostly around seven pick. And so th that's where you're going to have to settle in, right? We're talking about Chase Edmonds. We're talking about Kareem Hunt. We're talking about Tony Pollard sometimes slides under round seven. Um, you know, we're talking about Cordero Patterson goes in round eight. I think that's the right 
profile. Like if I were to move him up again, that's probably the tier I would put him into because we don't know for sure he's going to have the passing down work, but he could be right. That explosive guy that can work in the passing down, whether the team gives it to him or not, like we don't know. So I get it. Like I think from an archetype standpoint, like if that's where he would fit, but we're making a big assumption right now that he's going to take that passing network. Cause if he doesn't, it's going to be really hard, man, for you know him to score a lot of points on an offense that may not be very good. Yeah, if he's going to be flying past that tier, I will happily tip my cap and not be drafting him there. Over at Underdog Fantasy, the RB31, Dwayne. I thought I was kind of catching up on this all right. I guess not enough. I would still certainly take Kareem Hunt, Chase Edmonds, and Cordero Patterson much later at better value. He's RB29 right now over the last three days on FFPC. Sheesh. Would you take him over the Patriots backs? Um, I, I actually moved him ahead of uh, Stevenson last wow. week. Wow. I have him two. I have I have him one pick ahead of Josh Jacobs and two two ahead of Ramondre Stevenson. Look, they're all committees, right? And so, like, I'm just looking for the one that I think I put the one at the top of the tier that I thought had the best chance to actually take over their backfield. Like, I know Josh Jacobs is not going to get two because we know how Josh McDaniels is, right? Yeah. I know Ramondre Stevenson is not going to get two as much as people want it. It ain't happening, folks. It's not happening in New England, right? You know, I got I get it. Never say never, but if I got to put a chip down, like it's not a good shot. It's happening. You know, you got Damian Harris there as well. Um, you know, well, I don't know if we have Singletary on the list. We'll have to talk about him in the in a minute. But that's about the range, you know, for me. But I've still got him behind Hunt, Edmonds, Cook, all those guys. I think you can make an argument at this point to take him over James Cook. Like, I'm, I'm going to have to deal with myself here on James Cook. I know we'll get to that one again in a minute, but I, I don't know what I'm going to do with James Cook. How far am I pushing him down? I do have Pierce two spots ahead of James Cook now. Still taking the And I think that's guys. fair. Still taking the New England guys just ahead. Uh, funny, have you seen the Fantasy Gazette Twitter account, Dwayne? The uh, satire no. fantasy. It's a satire mm-hmm. fantasy football account. So I know so, not everyone's cup of tea when people are just spewing out nonsense, but I find it pretty hilarious sometimes. And they had a picture of Ramondre Stevenson. And it's uh, Is there a new RB1 in New England? And the quote is, Ramondre Stevenson received first team reps every time Damon Harris got subbed out. And uh, the amount of people that just like were kind of, eating into this and not even reading the quote. <laughs> you people are so thirsty for any good Ramondre Stevenson news. Hey, it might happen, but keep an eye on Damian Pierce as well. That's all I'm saying. Moving on to Buffalo. We got some things to talk about here. First of all, though, Dwayne, Isaiah McKenzie, just staying absolutely cheap as hell. When we do look at underdog, you know, wide receiver 64, 142 ADP. I'm sure you got some FFPC numbers for me in a second, Dwayne. I know he's rising, but it's still one of these guys that in a lot of normal drafts, I mean, wide receiver 79 fantasy pros consensus. That's just madness to me. And you look at the multiple sources and he's actually going in the mid seventies, you know, regardless of websites. So he got the rest in week one, he played with the starters in week two and even got some outside wide receiver snaps, man. Like I saw in that same athletic article, some murmurs that, Hey, with the way Shakur is playing, they might feel good enough to even try to see if Jamison Crowder can fetch them a late round pick here uh, coming up. So in an offseason where it seems like the Buffalo Bills have really stressed the yards after the catch ability all offseason long, McKenzie gives them the best chance of doing that. I mean, how high is too high on McKenzie, Dwayne? Like, I just want to keep on beating ADP with them. He is one of my top sleepers in the article I had come out on PFF.com. Like, just if you got any more McKenzie propaganda for me, great, man. I, there hasn't been a single thing go wrong for this guy in the last, like, two months. I'm knocking on wood as I say it. But my goodness, man, like, it's non-zero chance that he just outproduces like gabriel davis who's going as we know in the fifth round again like just one of these things that you know we say sometimes the consistent drumbeat following the breadcrumbs like whatever you want to say like every little data every little piece of breadcrumb that we pick up you know for isaiah mckenzie it's like we look up and we're just closer like to the center of like being a major part of the bills offense you know the first it was the coaching staff early in mini camp saying that like you know he was really going to battle to be you know the starting slot receiver then you had the coach coming out and saying basically you know yeah he's just getting he's adjusting to being the starting slot receiver then we see in week one of the preseason he rests with the starters then this week he starts in the slot and to your point gets to move all over the formation gets to play outside yeah isaiah mckenzie over at ffpc is now up to a round 13 pick he was around 14 pick last week but still that's a value like getting yeah, him in round still. 13 absolutely love taking McKenzie um in that range um in any draft you know that I'm in Isaiah McKenzie or Sky Moore I'm still thinking Sky Moore but again like you can get both both easily right I okay. mean where, where Sky, Sky Moore goes round nine or ten still 
Um, okay. It, get... it, who do you think scores more fantasy points this year? I hear you in terms of ADP. I think it's McKenzie. Well, I think if you had to pick the floor right now, it'd be McKenzie. But if I had to pick a ceiling, I would still say that, you know, if things go right, more ceiling is, is there. Wow, bro. You don't think McKenzie can beat out Stefan Diggs? Hater. <laughs> well, that might be that's that's too many breadcrumbs. But, uh, <laughs> it was a joke. It was a joke, everyone. Please don't right. please don't roast me for that one. Okay, that's gonna go on social. Just so you know. second part of the Bills <laughs> equation are these running backs. I think I mentioned this during our team preview series, but over the last two seasons, in terms of total backfield expected points per game, the bottom five offenses are the Jaguars, the Giants, the Texans. Yeah, sure, they suck. But then the Bills and Ravens, like that's the impact that a high rushing quarterback can have on these offenses, particularly when you're an offense that's happy to really spread out the wealth between two or three running backs. We always say we can really live with two running back committees, but when three or four get involved, it gets awfully complicated, awfully quickly in fantasy football land. When you have a rushing quarterback there, man, like I'm almost tempted just to kind of add them as a member of the committee. I'm not trying to do the Lamar, Josh Allen running back slander. Like I, I hate people that do that, but just in terms of, it's true. I mean, in terms of just their rush attempts compared to pocket passers, they are have eating into um, a larger chunk of that just team rush attempt share pie. So with that in mind, we have seen Singletary, Dwayne, working exclusively with the first team offense. With that said, I'm not convinced that he's just going to all of a sudden keep that same sort of every down role we saw at the end of last season because James Cook, Draft him round two for a reason. Yeah, we've heard some whispers of pass blocking concerns, but still certainly seems like someone they can get out there for a handful of obvious pass first situations per game. And also with Zach Moss not going away at all. And in fact, impressing a lot at camp, apparently just far more healthy than last year. There's a good chance that Singletary, man, is just kind of stuck in that Antonio Gibson role where, yeah, he might lead the team in touches, he might lead the team in yards, but he's not going to be getting the goal line attempts and he's probably not going to be getting most of the receptions either. Are you... Really, for, for me, this Bills preseason usage, I'm okay taking Singletary ahead of Cook now, especially in non-PPR, non-full PPR, I should say. But I, again, it's more like Washington for me. We're like, I just don't want any of these Buffalo running backs unless they're really going to fall to me. Yeah, it's one of these situations where it's more like you're moving the other guy down, not but yeah. not moving Singletary up. You know, <laughs> so it's like I am going to move James Cook down. He is going to be behind Singletary. Um, you know, uh, I'm with you. I don't think there's a scenario where all of a sudden, I'm, look, I don't want to say there's not a scenario, right? There's obviously, we did see this with Singletary at the end of the year last year. He was an every down back, but he was not good in the passing game. So even if he starts the season, right? And we come out and we're like, oh, wow, 70%, you know, snap share week one, week two, week three. My guess is that eventually over the course of the season, right? Cook starts to take away, you know, some of that, you know, that would be, that would be my thought process. Now we've still got a couple of weeks, you know, here to figure all that out, you know, before the season starts, but obviously people are drafting right now. So I think you do have to take Singletary ahead of Cook. There is some chance that he's really the every down back, but I'm leaning more like you are. I think this will end up being a committee and just having Moss even just competing at this point, like it's just, it just makes it that much, you know, more nasty, you know, just like what we talked about, you know, yeah. with, uh, you know, the commanders. So yeah, with Cook, I'm going to continue to buy Cook though on the dip. Like he is sliding, like he slid, you know, he slid around like after last week. Um, maybe he slides another round now, like after this week's news. Um, and and we just have to remember again, like you had you had James Cook out there, you know, with starters still. You had you know Zach Mars Zach Moss out there, pretty much still with with starters. Josh Allen was gone, so I mean, it doesn't mean that they're not part of the rotation, right? Some people immediately read it as, oh, that first drive it was Singletary, he gets a hundred percent of the work. Just you have to be careful with that kind of thing. Yeah. Again, it's all it's new. It's new information that we didn't have before. Of course, we're going to consider it. it does have to be a little bit grain of salt here with some of the pecking orders, uh, particularly some of the snaps we'll get to in Kansas City in a second. Before that, Dwayne, another another poor data point for your guy Alberto. We still haven't seen Greg Dolcich out there. That's been the most surprising thing, man. Like if Dolcich had just been taking Alberto's receiving snaps, I could have seen it. But no, he's actually been missing most of his time with a hamstring injury. I do believe he's back at practice, though. Broncos have rested their main starters for the past two weeks, but they've kept Albert O out there regardless. He was even playing into the fourth quarter last week with the starters, still the lead receiver, 10 snaps, eight routes. Eric Tomlinson had eight snaps, one route, Eric Saubert, six snaps, one route. It is going to be tough to rely on him though. If we see Dolce's come in and take away just that main route, uh, stranglehold. So Dwayne, I would take Albert o over Noah Fant. That's about the only nice thing I can say. <laughs> these days. I think that's about all I can say at this point. Look, I mean, 
the talent profile like we love um, again, and it was a, it was a small sample, but we at least knew there was a chance, right? That he could turn into one of these guys at the top. But again, just kind of following the consistent drum drum beat, the breadcrumbs, like keep picking them up. It's not not leading into anywhere good right now for Albert O. Like I don't, you know, I, I don't even remember what story that was from. I think Hansel and Gretel. I don't know what happens to anyone, but like Albert O would be getting eaten like by a monster or something in this story. So, um, yeah, it's not good. I mean, sixty five percent route participation, you know, is not ter- It's it's not good. It's not terrible, right? It's not fifty percent. You know, last week he was at thirty percent. You know, even though he was on the field, and uh, so like they're they're definitely tr- I, he's in the doghouse. Is my yeah. gut like I feel like they're just trying to teach this guy a lesson, and they're trying to show him like, look, you got to step up, or we're going to move on. And to your point, we haven't even seen Greg. We haven't even seen Greg Dulcich in a game. You see, so once he's out there, like we've got Tomlinson, we've got Salbert, like handling all the 21 personnel stuff, just like we saw Mercedes Lewis do back in the day with Green Bay. We just talked about this problem for Cole Komet. Remember, you have two folks from that old Green Bay coaching staff. One went to Chicago, and now we're talking about the Broncos when Nathaniel Hackett, and they seem very committed to keeping the, you know, the better run blocking tight end on the field in their 21 personnel. And so we haven't seen Albert O be able to get on the field because of that, number one. Then number two, we still have not seen Dulcich, who they spent a nice draft pick on. So, yeah, I think at this point, you just have to continue to move Alberto down your board. Playing in a really deep tight end premium league, and you can get Alberto and like, you know, like over FFPC, and you're looking up and you see Alberto in round 15 or 16. Yeah, I'd still take a swing on him, just see what happens week one. But it's very specific to that format. Otherwise, folks really just shouldn't be drafting Alberto anymore. When we're doing like our April ranks next year, Dwayne, I want two other columns one of which is like was there a play caller or main coaching staff change and then is the guy like coming off an acl injury because to me those are two (laughs) not not even acl hip whatever like did they did their season end on injury like we need to keep in mind that they could be on the pup because to me those are the two things you know throughout the offseason that we end up seeing overlooked a lot we you know fall in love with what the guy did last year instead of looking forward to what to, to be is going to be out. fair to you i mean you brought it you brought up the new coaching staff challenges like I, i'm not on. saying we ignored them I, I just think it's really important to remind ourselves of that with a lot of these guys same thing for and it's not every situation where it goes that way i was concerned with herbert and madison's uh, role in new coaching staff and really with the preseason issues we've seen i'm no longer yeah, it can concerned. go either way it exactly. can go either way. But it's again, a- like you're just kind of setting yourself up so that when you get that first preseason data point, like you've already thought through everything. If it goes one way, like you have a better grasp on it. If it goes another, you know, I think it, it just it gives you context, Ian. Context matters. <laughs> With that, we're going to take a quick break here to pay some bills. Our newest partner is revolutionizing the world of sports betting and fan engagement by making sports fandom profitable. That company is Symbol, the sport stock market for sports. Symbol, S-I-M-B-U-L-L, was a PFF sponsor last year, and they are back for this football season. Symbol helps you trade pro and college teams like stocks and even earn cash dividend payouts when your teams win, Symbol took the throw of sports betting and combined it with the profitability of the stock market to give you a platform where fortune favors the fan. Download the Symbol mobile app for iOS by searching S-I-M-B-U-L-L in the app store and use code, wait for this one, Dwayne, use code Ian, I-A-N, code Ian, not code Dwayne, that's code Ian to receive a free team stock valued up to $150 upon signing up. The PFF team is even getting in the symbol market themselves this season. Create a free account, enter code Ian to get a free stock valued up to $150 to compete against the PFF forecast podcast this season on symbol. Again, not code Dwayne, code Ian over with symbol. Gotta love it. Also, if you haven't heard by now, Underdog Fantasy is the best and easiest place to play fantasy football this summer. We've all been there in fantasy football league. Sunday morning, you're digging through news reports, trying to figure out whether to start your sub wide receiver that tweaked his handshake last week, or you have a player on your team who hasn't been getting in the end zone, and then one week it suddenly goes off for 30 points on your bench. Underdog Fantasy, all the stress of who to start each week is lifted off your shoulders because it's best ball. Draft your teams before the season starts and get the best scoring lineup each and every week. Right now, you can draft an Underdog's Best Ball Mania 3 tournament to take your shot at $10 million in total prizes. Plus, Underdog is going to double your first deposit up to $100 when you sign up with the promo code PFF. And if you play 10 of those dollars using promo code PFF, you get a free PFF subscription. Underdog drafts closed before NFL kickoff. So what are you waiting for? Head on over to UnderdogFantasy.com or the App Store. Play $10 with code PFF and draft your best ball mania team today. Shout out to DraftKings. Get ready for the NFL Week 1 action with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. 
Bet just $5 on any football game and get $200 in free bets instantly. And now everyone can experience the throw of DraftKings early win promotion. Get up seven, you win. Bet on any NFL team of your choice. And if your team leads by seven points at any point during the game, you get paid instantly, even if your team loses. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. Best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Download DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code PFF to get $200 in free bets instantly when you place just a $5 bet on any football game. That's code PFF only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older in most eligible states, but age varies by jurisdiction. Eligibility restrictions supply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for terms and resources. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In Tennessee, call or text the Tennessee red line at 1-800-889-9789. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. One per new customer. Minimum $5 deposit and wager. $200 issued as eight. $25 free bets. Dwayne, last year I went like weeks saying Hoppany instead of Hope NY. I'm happy I uh, I got that one figured out. I for forgot this year. about Hoppany. I think someone just messed it's me like with like Hominy. It's kind of like, you know, it's, it sounds like it should be a vegetable. Sometimes you just feel like the biggest idiot in the world. And that was one of those times. Final one, everyone. Just quick shout out to Manscaped, the leader in below the waist grooming. Now trust them with the whole shebang. Join the four million men worldwide who trust Manscaped by going to manscaped.com for 20% off and free shipping with the code PFF. Again, that's 20% off and free shipping with the code PFF at manscaped.com. It's time you enjoy the finer things in life and get yourself a platinum package for your platinum package. Kansas City, if the Damian Pierce storyline was dominating Twitter, my goodness, I have not seen nerds get more worked up over a snap rate than Travis Kelsey. And look, I, I'm, a, I'm a nerd. I, I use that term freaking trying to just be funny. But I am firmly with the nerd crew, so I'm not trying to hate all you guys. But Travis Kelsey, the snaps were not what we wanted. He was out there rotating. You know, Fortson was out there. Tight ends that you probably never even heard of were out there playing alongside Travis Kelsey with the first-team offense. Will Kelsey even get 60 targets this year, Dwayne? Will you take Kelsey in a normal 12-team league at any point in the draft? All jokes aside, I do think, you know, beyond – all right. Him splitting snaps in the preseason isn't that big of a deal. But as our lovely preseason, you know, usage expert Nathan Yonke has pointed out, this has been a trend over the course of the last, you know, three or four regular seasons. We shouldn't necessarily assume that Kelsey at this age, at this point, you know, in his career is going to be out there running a route on 90% plus of Mahomes' dropbacks. And if we see that rate drop just a little bit, we could see him really struggle to kind of produce that end of the first round, just value that he needs to do. So for me, it's not anything like he's still my overall tight end one. If you want to have Mark Andrews there, I think there's an argument for though for, uh, for that as well. I just dropped him a tick in the ranks, Dwayne. This is kind of how I've been treating it in drafts anyway, but tight end premium aside, if my top six running backs, CMC, Taylor, Henry, Eckler, Cook, Najee, and the top six wide receivers, Jefferson Cup, Chase, Diggs, Lamb, and Adams, if those guys are off the board at the turn, I'm fine taking Kelsey, you know, with the first pick of the second round. I'm probably not going to go out of my way to get too much more of him. Otherwise, how do you feel about, you know, again, this hot topic of the Travis Kelsey first team snaps? Yeah, that's pretty much how I'd already been treating him just because I, I just wanted the younger players that were going to get similar workload, even though, you know, he was going to have an advantage based on the position. But also we've loved Kyle Pitts in round three. So like when you start stepping back layers, like and thinking about the way you want to plan out your draft and the fact that you can get Kittle and Waller at discounts this year, I just haven't, I don't have a lot of Kelsey period. I've got him, I think on maybe like three or four teams out of almost a hundred that I've drafted. Um, so, and it, it hasn't been so much him or this, it's been the players around him. Like I, I just never want to take him over Stefan Diggs, you know, as an example, never, I don't really want to take him over Devonte Adams. Oh, no. I mean, I've had, I've had drafts where oh. I've taken CD lamb right over Travis Kelsey. But what are you talking about? Guess Edwards. I know. Yeah. No. I'm sorry, Ian. I don't no, care about that. that. I'll take got cut. Oh man. Gus Edwards goes on, uh, the, the pup reserve. So he'll miss four games and Auden Tate all in one day. I'm sorry, Ian. So it's a lot to take in. Um, but, but with Kelsey to, <laughs> to, to the point Nathan had like his routes route participation over the last four years have dropped 95%, 92%, 81%, 77%. I don't think it's going to drop to 60%. I don't think it's going to drop to 50% because that's where it is right now in the preseason. I think it's still going to be in around 80% when the season gets going um, because it's a team that we have to remember also still lost who Tyreek Hill. Like, so Kelsey's going to get his, um, I, th I think, you know, the way you laid it out is exactly how I'm thinking. Just not taking him over those other players, but once they're gone, I think Kelsey's still fine. 
Auden Tate to the Cowboys or we riot. I'm moving on. Okay, one other quick thing in Kansas City. We did see Justin Watson play well ahead of Sky Moore. It's noticeable, man. This was a game with Juju Schuster missing time with a knee injury. Andy Reid did say it's not going to be an issue. He expects them to be ready to go for week one. But we got Juju and MBS locked in as the top two wide receivers. If we have Justin Watson making things complicated for Sky Moore in a game that also have Miko Hardman sideline with a groin injury, it could be problematic for his early season upside. But, you know, Dwayne, it's one of these things. And similar, like we're talking about Traylon Burks here next as well. Like, just be, I agree. Sky Moore and Traylon Burks. Like, I, I would not feel good about starting them week one, let alone maybe even the first month of the season. But that's the case a lot of times with these rookies. We mocked the Justin Jefferson stuff, but he really wasn't someone to feel good about starting until week three, week four. A.J. Brown had 100 yards in his first NFL game and played behind Tajay Sharp and Adam Humphreys the next week. Like, this isn't exactly a new phenomenon for these first and even second round wide receivers just not to immediately be working with the starters. How did you kind of adjust the ranks or how are you planning on adjusting the ranks with Watson being a bigger factor than perhaps we anticipated? Yeah, I mean, you can move more down a little bit, but at the end of the day, like when you're taking players like Garrett Wilson, you're taking players like Sky Moore, um, you know, you're really trying to think about the season outlook, right? Not just week one, because once you get to that point in your draft, you're, you're really swinging for upside. And what you have to be okay with is that upside doesn't always come in week one, right? I mean, really, you want access to these, you know, with, with more, obviously, you want access to the Chiefs offense. And yeah, well, we love Sky Moore to be running, you know, um, you know, with all the starters. And he did play with the starters, to be fair. He was out there for, he was in a route on 55% of Patrick Mahomes' dropback. So some people kind of like overstate, like, oh my God, he wasn't even out there. He was out there with Mahomes. You know, so, I mean, he's still playing. He's just mixing in right now. I would expect if the season started tomorrow, it's going to be a rotation outside, you know, between Miko Hardman, Justin Watson, Sky Moore. So to your point, you're not going to be able to start him. But my expectation based on everything we know about Sky Moore would still be by like week three, four, five. He's taking over that every down roll. And so depending on the size of your league really matters, right? If you're playing in an eight team league and you guys don't have very deep benches, then great. Maybe Sky Moore isn't a great pick because whoever drafts him is probably going to drop him. Like after week two, they're just going to drop. Him. I don't know this Sky Moore guy. I can't use him. You know, they're going to pick up the you know the next running back that's available because the starter got hurt. And so there's going to be opportunities to go get some of these guys later. But if you're drafting in a deep bench league, like you still want to stack your deck with as many of these types of players. So yeah, while he may drop down maybe around an ADP. I would not make Sky Moore a fade. All I would do is just, I would just adjust with ADP, right? If ADP is going to give me Sky Moore later now, then I'm just going to take Sky Moore later. Right now, Traylon Burks, wide receiver 47 underdog fantasy, officially behind Robert Woods. I have made that move as well. Man, I guess my thing for Burks, Dwayne, we know the we know he's got to work his way into the starting lineup. Once he gets there, it's not going to be great volume. We've seen that in this run first offense. And so we basically need him to beat out Nick Westbrook-Akini at some point, which, okay, maybe that happens a month into the season. Great. And then there's still a chance that Robert Woods is going to be a number one pass game option. It, it could happen. Let's say Burks overcomes that, and he's getting eight targets a game. But then we need him to be really freaking efficient on those eight targets per game, just like A.J. Brown was in order for him to really turn to a sort of wide receiver that we're going to be wanting to bet on over someone with just a better offensive environment and with a better workload. Right now, I have Burks down to wide receiver 55. It, it's get one of these things, man, where, yeah, we can have a constant drumbeat, you know, a trail of crumbs going in a positive direction, <laughs> but can also be going off the freaking table. Unfortunately, yeah, that's what's happening. It could with lead Burks off the or, cliff, like yeah. into a ravine. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So with Burks, I, I, honestly, I'm treating it the same way that I did with more, but with the caveat that with more, we've still had a lot of positive news, right? Yeah. He's not, we would hope he would be the starting wide receiver three by now on the chiefs, but we've had enough other positive news. He's still in the mix. He's out there playing with the starters with Traylon Burks. Yeah. He's out there playing with the starters, but he doesn't start the game and he plays until the fourth quarter. Like this is clearly a player that they are sending a message that like, you've got to get your stuff together, dude. And so we know Mike Rabel kind of a hard nosed coach. Like it could be a situation where very easily you're having to drop Traylon Burks off of a lot of teams in that first month. Having said all that, like with him sliding, you know, the way he is, if I had to continue to pay a seventh or an eighth round pick to get Traylon Burks, I wouldn't do it. Right. But now, like when you look at it, even on over on FFPC, where people are pretty aggressive with the way they draft, like you can get him in around 11. He's dropping down in around 12. Like there's been a couple drafts over the last couple of days. Uh, sorry, around 10 and 11 is where he's going, but he's dropped into around 12, even in a couple of these drafts. So 
by that point, right, once you get to that range, like there's a lot of wide receivers, you know, that you really aren't going to like anymore on your board. There are some moving up, like we talked about with Isaiah McKenzie and some of these other guys. So I think Burks is going to still be in play in a deep bench format like that. Playing in a more shallow league, you're going to have to be more careful with Traylon Burks. And you just definitely don't want to be reaching, you know, for him. So that's the main thing to remember. Just know that ADP is moving. It's adjusting. So if you if you still want to be in on Traylon Burks, that's fine. But whatever you do, don't keep taking him where you've been taking him all along. You got to let him you got to let him slide to his new ADP. Kenyon Drake looks like he has officially been released. It was all but confirmed yesterday and rap sheet came out and I believe just went ahead and said the deed has been done. They weren't able to trade him because of the nice little contract figure he managed to get for himself. And I love the, uh, um, it's Josefina Anderson, the ESPN reporter. She uh, had an interview with Kenyon Drake, and Drake was basically like, "I'm at peace with the situation. I'm getting paid, uh, you know, regardless of what happens." And that's uh, that's what you love there. As uh, you know, one Conor McGregor once said, "They love you one week, they hate you the next. Just make sure you get paid both weeks." So Kenyon Drake, you know, again, someone that is probably going to be a nuisance wherever he lands, Dwayne, in terms of just him taking away from someone else in fantasy. Certainly at this point, someone that you are not drafting in leagues of all shapes and sizes. I don't think it's necessarily great news for Josh Jacobs either, though. If anyone should be getting a bump on this, it's Zamir White. The problem is this is another three-headed committee, man. Jacobs, Zamir White, and Amir Abdullah should all be out there. And if we've learned anything from these Patriots backfields over the year, which is basically how we're treating the Raiders now with Josh McDaniels there, We want the pass down back. You know, I've said this before. Damon Harris scores 15 touchdowns. He was the RB20 in PPR points per game. LeGarrette Blunt scores 18 touchdowns. He was the RB15. It's been the Shane Vereens and James Weiss of the world that have actually been the ones putting up big-time numbers. Now, those offenses didn't have Devontae Adams, Hunter Renfro, and Darren Waller involved, so I'm not saying Amir Abdullah is going to be that guy. How are you addressing this backfield, Dwayne? Is the answer just no? I still certainly don't want Josh Jacobs. I'm warming up to, I guess, the idea of Zamir White in the later rounds, though. Like, Zamir White could easily just be, at this point, cheap Brian Robinson. Yeah, I mean, Zamir White is the handcuff to Jacobs. He's going to spell Jacobs from time to time. Jacobs is playing the Damian Harris role. Um, Look, all the data points that we've got so far point to this, that this is going to be just like a New England backfield. And then when you look at the archetype of backs that we've got that, you know, Josh McDaniels has assembled, and it really just screams this. And so, yeah, with Kenyon Drake out of the way, the biggest, um, you know, the player that helps them out the most is Amir Abdullah because Kenyon Drake has been pretty good on passing downs in the past. So I think this means Amir Abdullah is going to be playing that James White role. You can get him still right now, like even over in FFPC, like he's, you know, going right around round 15. Sometimes he's round 14, sometimes he's round 16. But I mean, this is a 20, you know, if you're drafting, you know, 20 players. I think round 15 is plenty fair, right, on a player like Abdullah, especially depending on how you've constructed your roster, right? If you maybe went hero RB and then you missed, you know, maybe that tier of of uh, upside pass-catching explosive players that we talk about, about a lot that has Patterson and Chase Edmonds and all those guys in it. Say for whatever reason, those guys went early and you missed. You had to take a couple of swing swings on really guys like Darrell Henderson, guys like that that, you know, we don't know for sure how much role they're going to have. They have a lot of upside. But then being able to come back later and getting a guy like Amir Abdullah, like he he could fill in, like and be your RB two, like for a few for a few weeks. So he he kind of could look like a JD McKissick for you, but you're getting him at a discount versus where JD McKissick goes. So yeah, I think Abdullah is the main one. I also agree with you on Zamir White. This just clears things up that if something does happen to Jacobs, we know Zamir White will be the clear early down back handling more of the load. Um, he could have some standalone value here and there, but I don't think you're ever going to feel comfortable starting Zamir White um, unless there is an injury to Josh Jacobs or if somehow Zamir White just overtakes Josh Jacobs. But I also agree with what your thoughts are on you know, where, where we should be taking him. Um, if you look at White, White right now, he's climbed around 12 you know, in an FFPC draft. So compared to where you got to take you know, Robinson around eight or nine, I think you know that's a good comp. You're essentially getting a very similar player to what you're getting with Robinson um, maybe not quite as much of a, of a, I think there's a little more chance Robinson is really just in a two-way split between him and McKissick, but is it enough of a chance that we should be taking Zamir White's going four rounds after him? Probably not. I think it's an arbitrage play. And I think you named the perfect person, Zamir White's arbitrage on Brian Robinson and his new ADP. By the way, a couple other guys where if your draft goes long enough and you just need to fill up spots and you see someone like Amir Abdullah sitting there, Ty Montgomery could very well be that guy in New England. Also, Dontrell Hilliard does project as, you know, maybe not the full-time pass down back in Tennessee, but he has been getting a lot of uh, rest alongside Derrick Henry while they trot out Hassan Haskins and Julius Julius Chestnut. I I, I cannot get this guy's name right. I'm so sorry. (laughs) 
Yeah, I think you well, you got the chestnut right? part right. You got the chestnut part right. I, I don't have the I don't have Tennessee in front of me. Like it's I think it's right. It's Julius Chestnut. Hell yeah. I got this shit. I'm a professional, okay. Join. Yeah. yeah, it is Julius Chestnut. Yeah, it's Julius Chestnut. Okay, two more, everyone, before we really get off the rails here. Isaiah Spiller unfortunately suffered an ankle injury. We'll miss the final preseason game. There is a quote unquote chance he will miss the opener as well, per Chargers head coach Brandon Staley. Seemingly still behind Joshua Kelly at this point. It's really tough to expect standalone value for Spiller. I'm worried, Dwayne, that the Chargers go ahead and add a veteran running back here at some point before the season. Not a given by any stretch, but I just wonder with Justin Jackson now signing with the Lions, will they really be comfortable if Spiller's banged up going in with Kelly and Roundtree behind Austin Eckler? Because Lord knows we talked about just some of the underlying metrics that really paint a picture of just how bad Kelly and Roundtree have been. With Spiller, Dwayne, how far have you kind of moved him down? For me, it is something where I think guys like Jamal Williams and especially Brian Robinson, obviously, deserve to be going higher at this point. Spiller, though, still, if we got a Neckler injury, just for that potential upside alone, he still projects as, you know, the best handcuff option. Yeah, I, I moved Spiller below Jamal Williams as well last week. I, I don't know that I'm going to drop him more. Um, you know, I'm going to have to think about it like, and, and decide what I'm going to do here um, tonight with the ranks. But um, like, if I'm making a long-term bet on who I think has the best, you know, opportunity to really back up Austin Eckler, you know, play some snaps. And if Austin Eckler went down and really has the most value, I, I think, you know, by like, like week five or six this year, it's still probably Spiller. But at the same time, like knowing that he hasn't been able to overtake Roundtree or Kelly, who just haven't been impressive players, you know, in their NFL careers, that, that means that Spiller's probably really showing nothing. Or he's got some sort of flaw, right, that's really fatal, whether it's pass pro, whatever it is, that where the coaches just really aren't wanting to get him out there. Now we got to deal with the ankle injury. He's week to week. You know, that's not always a good oh. tag to have on you. Yeah. The week to week. So we, we don't know. Like, this could be a month. It could be five weeks. But at the end of the day, like, it's going to hurt Spiller. It's going to set him back because he's not out there able to practice and able to really battle for the number two spot. Okay, Ian, what's the new breaking news? It's just hate Ian Hardin's day because now Chris Herndon got released, Dwayne. <laughs> Everyone I love is getting released. I'm just going to log off now, and you can just sit on here and go, oh. There's, ah. a, there's a realistic chance that Duke Johnson is coming in like five more minutes, man. This this is this is a terrible – this is not not as great hey, day to be great good as news. I thought it was going to be. Good news, CPAT just playing the first snap of the first two games. Like they got CPAT and bubble wrap. Like he's, he's the dude in Atlanta. So you can always hold on to that, Ian. Do you see the uh, Justin Herbert quote on on Spiller? No. Justin Herbert was asked how he sees Isaiah Spiller fitting into the Chargers offense, and his response was, hopefully at running back. (laughs) 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 Some of the quotes we've gotten here have been pretty great. Like the Austin Eckler, like, yeah, he's been really attentive during meetings and people like legitimately trying to run with that as uh, good news. Hey, I will say, you know, does this potentially just make Eckler have to play more? Because we've talked about the other two guys, they're not very good. Yeah. And if if the Chargers are in competitive game scripts, you know, I, I can see games where they're winning. Letting it doesn't really matter, right? You can let a Josh Kelly, you can let you know a Larry Roundtree come out there and salt it away. But it does make me wonder, like if Spiller can't take a step forward, might Eckler have to take on a little bit more than what he's hoping for? Because Eckler's pretty much said he just he he'd like to limit himself to like around fifty percent of the carries. But we could see Eckler push more towards 60, 65%, depending on the way the game scripts go and who they need to have on the field. Because if you're in a tight game or if you're losing, you don't want Larry Roundtree or Joshua Kelly out there. Like that, That's a wasted touch. Final one. Again, preseason performance doesn't really matter. But Isaiah Likely, dog, man, he's been awesome. 29 Dude, routes this great. preseason, caught all 12 of his targets, 144 yards, touchdown, four contested catches, seven avoided tackles, three explosive plays. His uh, targets per route run, Dwayne, 41.4%. Not bad there. I'm not uh, I'm not certain he's going to be able to maintain that with uh, Andrews and Bateman back in the picture. But you look at this offense, and what, what have we heard all offseason? They want to party like it's 2019 again. And then taking, you know, the pair of fourth round tight ends, I think really showed that. And when you go back to 2019, this was the number three offense in the league in terms of total dropbacks with at least two tight ends on the field. We had Andrews working as a clear cut number one that year, 98 targets. Nick Boyle, though, 43 targets behind him and Hayden Hurst at 39. So this is a situation where barely ever 
Barely ever do we get the two tight ends balling out in the same year. In fact, since 2010, the only times that teams have had multiple top 12 tight ends in the same season were Rob Gronkowski and Aaron Hernandez. And then like 2018 or 19, Zach Ertz and Dallas Goddard got it. That one was even kind of funky. It was more because like both guys got hurt for a small stretch and each finished as a low end tight end one. So I don't think likely he's going to have much standalone value, but man, Dwayne, he's certainly on the rise here just by virtue of being a really good player. And again, I like to go back to what our PFF draft guide says about some of these players because I, I don't have this perfect memory and analysis in my mind already of every single rookie to come into the league. So let's fall back on some of the guys that have been watching them a lot longer than I have. So this is from Mike Renner in our 2022 NFL draft guide. Where likely wins his natural receiving ability likely is one heck of a natural receiver. He attacks the ball so well in the air can create on his own after the catch. What's his role? Move tight end. This is a tricky thing. He's not quite dynamic enough to pass as a receiver, not big enough to be respected as a tight end. He's a move tight end in the league that doesn't use them anymore. Where he can improve size. This one is obvious, likely has to get bigger. The big question is, can he? He's almost indistinguishable from a wide receiver on tape with his frame. He's in no man's land at the tight end position at his current weight. Seems like very fair concerns from Mike, but my goodness, based on the uses we've seen, based on the landing spot, and based on their not being, I mean, the Ravens just signed Demarcus Robinson for crying out loud, and he could feasibly start in three wide receiver sets. Like, that's the point we're at in this passing game. What are your thoughts on Likely, man? I moved him up to tight end 24. Maybe that's a little aggressive. Move him down to, and I'm not drafting my tight end 24 nine times Freaking 19 times out of 20, Dwayne. So I'm not saying that he's this guy we need to really be up on, but my goodness, man, the waiver wire madness that's going to go on if Mark Andrews gets hurt. Like there's at least a ceiling for this guy now, one that we didn't really know existed a month ago. Yeah, I think you can make an argument now, like if you're playing in a tight end premium league and you're in round 20 and you know maybe you're not happy with your tight end room, maybe instead of Trey McBride, you're throwing a dart on likely, right? Being the guy that if for some reason the starter goes down, what do you get? But I mean, in the first two preseason games, he had well, week one, he had an 83.6 PFF receiving grade, which is really good. And then he had a 96.9 PFF receiving grade this last week. So out there for 77% of, Ty, of Tyler Huntley's dropbacks. So, yeah, I mean, to me, he looks like the handcuff, you know, to Andrews. I don't think he'll be able to be on the field that much with Andrews unless they truly know it's a passing play because he's not really a good blocker. Right. And when the Ravens use their multiple tight ends with Nick Boyle, you know, some of the other guys that they work in, like they like to have guys out there that can really block in the run game. So I think that, to your point, is going to kind of limit him. It's going to make it hard for him to have any standalone value. But to your point, like if something happens with, with Andrews or if it's just he keeps doing this and they finally just have to des- they have to make a decision that, well, crap, we're just going to have to change our offense, like to get this guy out here more. Maybe they, you know, play him more at wide receiver or something. I don't know. Talent has outs is the main thing. So, yeah, I'm going to have to move him up as well. Like, I think I had him at like 30 or something like that before. I think 24 probably sounds about right. Again, from that awesome fantasy football, all 32 teams, most impactful developments from training camp article uh, that you can find at The Athletic. Uh, Jeff Zurbeck, sorry, uh, Rybeck, sorry if I mispronounced that. Jeff's an awesome reporter, though. He mentioned likely won't get the volume of Andrews, but with fellow rookie tight end Charlie Kohler expected to miss the start of the season and the Ravens short on wide receivers, he figures to play significant snaps from the jump. It's one of these rare situations, Dwayne. We almost never assume the running back is going to get uh, snaps in the slot. We almost never assume that the number two tight end is going to be meaningful. We almost never assume the day three running back is going to have an immediate role. Sometimes, though. That's the way the cookie crumbles. Wow, that's a good outro, Ian. All right, Dwayne, we freaking got it. 14 major things to adjust the ranks with after preseason week two. We got one more week of preseason, and then it's like official fantasy football draft week. I'm sure plenty of you guys have your drafts coming up this weekend as well. Dwayne, what do you have coming out this week? Or what should I say? What are you republishing this week just to help get back in the the center of everyone? Because, you know, again, we've been doing this all – all, all, all year long. So if there is anything, I know some of you have mentioned um, want to hear about auction and stuff like that. So we can try to take a little bit of time, but if there's anything you guys like really want to hear from us that you haven't, or you forget about, you know, in these last few weeks, uh, please let us know. Cause it's tough for us to sometimes remember exactly what you guys, uh, you know, remember from a couple months ago and what you don't. So Dwayne, what do you got on PFF.com this week? 
Yeah, so the utilization takeaways from week two will drop tomorrow. Obviously, you know, Nathan's stuff is good too. It's just I, I go back through it all, look more at the at the you know targets per route. I mean, not targets per route, but routes run per drop back. A lot of, you know, other things because Nathan's trying to hit it, you know, quickly, you know, on the night that it happens. So more of a deep dive so folks can check out the utilization stuff. That always does, you know, people seem to always like that. And then, you know, as you mentioned, like just going back and reworking all the ranks, all the tiers, making sure they're all updated because we know this is the biggest draft weekend of the season. And so that everybody has all the things that they need to go dominate. I have my 12 sleepers to consider and later rounds come out on Monday. Also Dwayne and I already podcasted about the defense you need to draft in 2022. Even got a kicker article out there. My ultimate fantasy football kicker breakdown that I guarantee you can read in about two seconds. Also players fit ADP. Takeaways from preseason week two. Always a great day to be great over at pff.com. And once again, check out that PFF Plus subscription. Get the free week. Get ready for your drafts, guys. This is the best product we have. This is basically our new look draft guide. Again, you can sign up for your free trial today over at pff.com. You're going to get our version of just basically the modern fantasy football draft guide, rankings, analysis, strategy, live updates, interactive, you know, scoring just based on your league setting, floor median, and ceiling fantasy point projections. And again, just our draft strategy mode, which is our best effort to just basically be there for you guys and help assist you, you know, with your draft each and every round along the way for Dwayne I'm Ian thanks for tuning in the PFF fantasy football podcast until next time take care everybody